Brothers and sisters of the barbecue world, Cowboy Kev here welcoming you to another episode of Man Meat Barbecue with your host, Mikey K. Man Meat Barbecue is proudly sponsored by Fire and Smoke Barbecue. If you're looking for a new seasoning, head over to fireandsmokebbq.com. We ship nationwide or pick up a catering menu for those of you in the Chicago area. Also brought to you by Myron Mixon Smokers. If you're a caterer competition or just a backyard cooker, we have the smoker for you. Go check them out at MyronMixonSmokers.com. And now, here is your host, Mikey K. So today we are going across the pond over to England, um, over to that lovely country called the UK, and we are chatting with Jordan from Bear Down Barbecue. Um, it's Bear Down, or I'm sorry, Bar Down Barbecue, Bar Down underscore barbecue on Instagram, uh, bardownbarbecue.co.uk if you want to go to the website. Um, but that's where you can find him on the internet so you know exactly who we're chatting to. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much for uh, giving us some of your time and coming and chatting barbecue with us. Uh, yeah, more than welcome. More than welcome, Mikey. Glad so, we could um, sort it out. <laughs> yeah, dude. So what got you into barbecue? So, um, it actually started a few years ago, obviously, um, getting my first barbecue about 12 years ago, um, getting the Weber 57 premium. So obviously it's very small barbecue kind of thing, but I still use that to this day. It still lasts, lasted a long time, very well. And, um, a few years, a few years ago, about three years ago, we saw a, um, post on facebook a local event near us was doing um a barbecue competition it was a um I- ibqn so it was kind of a spin-off of the kcbs stuff okay and um this uh local event it would would have been its second year doing it so they put an uh, advert out on facebook and was like um anyone want to come and compete in a barbecue competition and festival and all this kind of thing. And me and my friends thought, um, yeah, we like barbecuing. We like doing it in the back garden kind of thing. Have all our friends around family cook for them. So we thought, ah, might as well, let's put our name down and enter it. And yeah, we got chosen to do it, which is kind of very out of the blue. And we were thought, oh, shit, okay, let's kind of do some research about what we would actually do for barbecue competitions. <laughs> and yeah, there's a lot you have to do for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was um, a really big eye-opener for us, but yeah. Was it kind of just a big shock where it. you guys were like, oh, God. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So we thought, oh, crap, let's kind of do all our research and start researching everything that needs to be done, bought, and everything like that. Because and- at, at the time... Yeah, go ahead. I only had a, uh, at the time, I only had like a... Um, I don't know if you've heard of them, Pro-Qs. I, I have heard of a Pro-Q. Yeah, so I was borrowing my uncles at the time, so I had to purchase my own, and I love them, Pro-Qs. They're actually amazing, a bit of kit. Mm-hmm. And then um, we decided before the competition to get another barbecue, and we got a, uh, a Yoda YS640. Beautiful cooker. Yeah, and... So that was what, and 
Um, my friends had um, Weber Smoky Mountains as well. Which, if, if you guys don't know what a Pro Q is, or you've never looked up into into a Pro Q, uh, Pro Qs are very similar to Weber Smoky Mountains. Yeah. Very, very similar. Almost, almost identical. <laughs> yeah, I think with the with obviously the Pro Qs, you're able to you you can stack add more, and stack and configure them to whatever you want, which is Correct. really handy and really good. Now, so let me ask you that question. Considering I've never got to cook on a Pro Q, because uh, yep. they don't they don't really make it here in the states. Um, yeah. When you start stacking, yep. How many how many can you really stack before you start losing a ton of heat? So I think um, so. I've got just the normal um, two. two stacks. Yep. Yeah. And then my the one that I actually borrowed off my uncle a while back. He had an extra stack in the middle. Okay. So that was like a three-stack tier. But I think probably any higher than that, and then you start losing heat. I was, was going to say, like, how, how high can you really go before, you know, you start losing that, the actual, you know, the heat source is too weak to, you know, you're too hot on the bottom and too, too cold on top. Yeah, I think, well, I think as long as you obviously move the water pan up high enough yeah and then maybe if you um stack your charcoal so much in the bottom grate it depends how high you want to go but i think realistically three max i would have thought yeah that sounds about right <laughs> yeah but um funny story at one of the comps last year our very first kcbs comp there's a team that was using pro cues because they were um, part of the sponsors for it and they, I think they managed to stack just to, because um, obviously they'd come over from Italy okay. to, the, to the UK and they brought all their pro cues with them. To, so to burn them all off and clean them before the comp, I think they stacked them about eight higher. Okay. And it was, it was only for like a, because it was like a family. Yeah. It was a big event, but there was like loads of public there. So they just stacked it as high as they could stack it and then lid it in the bottom just for some effect. But you can stack them, which is pretty funny. I would just be worried too that it would fall over on me. Yeah, and I, I think they made sure everyone was clear and out of the way of this before they started lighting it and everything. So you know what I mean? Because they're so, so yeah. high at that point, it's like it's kind of just a leaning tower at that point. <laughs> exactly, and it's only held on by these little three little legs at the bottom. So it's exactly, not so stable. If someone just bumps into it a little bit, that's tumbling down. So <laughs> when you kind of got started getting into into barbecue. Mm-hmm. What were some of your, what were some of the challenges that you guys faced over in the UK? Um, obviously, butchers don't exactly cut the exact same way in different countries. No, so luckily enough, I when I first started out competition barbecuing, I just did a hell of a ton lot of research into local um, UK butchers. Yeah, and spoke to, and managed to speak to teams that are already on the circuit within the uk about who they get their meat from where they get their meat from and everything and um we managed to find a supplier um a very very nice chap called mark that runs um bob's family butchers okay um he kind of in our first year started talking to him he was able to get all your american cuts or he knew all the american cuts he knew He's a very, very good butcher. 
He knows what he's getting. He gets all the like Canadian USDA briskets, all this kind of stuff. So he was definitely the man to talk to. And he was very, very kind uh, actually sponsoring us and giving us some good deals. That's awesome. In our first year. And now he's one of our sponsors as well. Now, which is really good. Let me ask you this question because you're over there. You'll know this answer better than anyone else will. I've heard that a lot of butcher shops in England are dying. A lot of them are kind of going away because most more people, more and more people, are going to the grocery store to yeah. use, you know, the grocery store counter or the grocery yep. store butcher. Do yeah, you that's feel, Do yeah. you feel that barbecue is helping, kind of maybe resurge some of those butcher shops and kind of give them a reason to be there? Yeah, I think it is because there's there's a load, there's a hell of a lot of top quality good butchers all like within London and everywhere, and even the surrounding uh, counties and everything, they've got some top quality butchers and obviously barbecuing is becoming such a massive thing now over in the UK. It is, there's it all the street food, street food barbecuing, all the pop-ups, everything like that is just getting bigger and bigger. And butchers that know and specialise in these kind of cuts of meat and know what they're talking about are just thriving off it. So okay. they're, they're holding on, but they're doing well at it. So barbecue is sure. at least helping. Yeah, hundred percent. It's helping. It's, it's helping get get people up there. Yes, definitely. It's, Which is definitely awesome. Is. Yeah, it's it's amazing because obviously, yeah, it was a local butchers. Some local butchers were dying out, but now people are obviously going and seeing all these barbecue programs on TV and all this kind of stuff. They're actually going to their local butchers because they can get all the decent cuts of meat and all this kind of stuff, and well, it's yeah. actually helping them out. Because for a while, I mean, you weren't you weren't able to get those cuts of meat. They were they were difficult to find. Yeah. Um, people weren't carrying them, or, or I mean, the thing is, American cuts are different than than the cuts than the cuts you get in in England, and not mm-hmm. not only are they different, but they're, they're, some of them are just called different names. Yeah. Exactly. You know, they're they're almost the same. They're the same cut. Yeah. They're just being called by different names. Yeah. So obviously, um. I was making beef jerky the other day and I was like looking on the internet and everything. And obviously you call it a top round and a bottom yes. round. Yes. And then obviously I've gone to my butcher and I was like, Oh, can I get this? And they're like, well, yeah, that's the silver side. Yeah. So it's something completely different. So as long as you go to a good butcher that knows obviously what it's called in America and what the equivalent is over here and what it's called, then you'll be fine. Yeah. I'm getting them the same cuts and everything. I was going to say, you kind of got to get the, um, Got to get the butcher that knows the cut. Yeah, exactly. And then knows that it, it might have a different name. They're not just going to look at you funny. And I know a lot of guys that when they kind of first started, um, they would bring Instagram pictures to their butchers to be like, I want this. Yeah. You know, it's like, because you couldn't, there was no other way to describe it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're just like trying, trying all the names under the sun or just typing it into Google or something like that. And then they're still looking at you in a confused look like, yeah, yeah. I still don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I still have no, I still have no idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, competing in Europe, do you guys, do you compete anywhere outside of the UK? So this would be our third year competing in KCBS. Okay. So last year was our first year and we did three comps in last year and then to the end of end of last year 
me and my wife were like, yeah, we want to do more comps. We want to try and branch out into Europe because obviously start going into Europe and we start obviously our butchers sponsoring us and he gets um, advertised out in Europe as well. So a lot of the other UK teams that are doing really well in the UK and Europe at the moment are actually are actually taking me over to Europe because the, what this butcher can get is really good stuff and the European teams are wanting it because obviously they can do it as well. That was going to be but, my, my next question. It's like, well, do you have to source locally when you when you go out to that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, or no, are you going to so bring it all with you? Yeah, we can bring it all with us. Yeah, at the moment. So obviously, we're teams are like taking boxes for other teams out that they just like tell the butcher what they want and they'll come and take it out with them for them, which is really good. But obviously, I mean, um, that's incredible. Yeah. Obviously, we wanted to do more comps this year, but a good thing is that obviously my wife, me and my wife are expecting our first child. Oh, well, so, congratulations. Thank you. So um, money will be a little bit tight this year, I think. <laughs> yeah, they tend to get expensive. <laughs> yeah. So, um, i got to buy a bunch of stuff. I think, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. But I think I want the end of last year, we started to try and take off on our catering side as well. Yeah. So obviously, if we start doing that, then that will can fund all the barbecue comps and everything that we want to do. Now, how how is the catering? How how like how has catering taken off there? In the sense of, do people know what they're asking for? Um, is is there a little bit of a learning curve? What's that like when you're when you're speaking with the client? Mm -hmm. Do they kind of know what they want to get? Or are they kind of like, well, we want American barbecue, but we don't really know what we want. And is there any like, I guess the question would be like, you know, does the client understand how much it costs and how much it should cost? Yeah, I think um, depending where we where you go. So like locally to me, I think there's only, there's not very many um, American full style barbecue catering pop-up kind of people okay um obviously the closer you go to london yeah there's loads of them they know they know the market and everything but around locally to me personally um we did our first catering pop-up last end of last year our first one and we were like yeah we do like brisket sandwiches pulled pork sandwiches mac and cheese all that kind of stuff and obviously people know what pulled pork is because pulled pork's been around forever but then when you say to them, oh, yeah, we'll do, like, brisket and all this kind of stuff, some local people are like, well, what is brisket? Yeah. And it's just like, well, it's just – then you're trying to explain it to them, and then you say, like, well, like try a bit, and they're like, oh, well. Yeah. So it's, it is kind of teaching people, yeah, it's not just chicken and pulled pork. There is loads of other different American-styled – meat out there that's equally as tasty it's just training them well like teaching them learning and getting them to learn about it and everything which is good yeah i was gonna say like that's 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 where you, you start to stroke because i mean brisket's never been a big cut no for you guys no so yeah it's always been like the ribs or the chicken or the pork but then obviously you start introducing brisket into that and obviously it's it's all we get for brisket in our maybe in our like local supermarkets is like rolled brisket. 
What does that mean? So obviously it's like, it's, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. So you don't get like a full packer of the brisket okay. that you but yeah, that you get in like Costco or whatever like that. Um, in like our local Tesco, like our, our stores are like Tesco's. Okay. It's a, it's the brisket that's been rolled up into like a joint that you'd put in the oven and roast. Okay. So you wouldn't technically, people wouldn't think to do like put it on their barbecue and do it low and slow and all that kind of thing. Do you know what muscle from the brisket that actually is? Not off the top of my head. You, okay, so you don't know if it's coming from the flat or if it's coming from the... Um... Um, it probably must be coming off the flat. Okay. So it's a super then, lean part too. Yeah, and they've just rolled it up to look like a roasting joint. Okay. See, the problem is if you like have that, then it's like you're not you it's not the same thing you know it's so lean yeah that brisket know, being so lean it, it, you just don't get like you're gonna that thing's gonna dry out <laughs> yeah exactly well the way that it tells you on the packet is to cook it is like you just put it in the oven for like five hours okay and then you and then you bring it out and then you slice it up and but obviously well like when you're slicing it out there's no Good juices falling out of it and everything like that. Yeah, and it's not all pull, pulling apart. Obviously, you're not breaking down all the collagen and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. So it's completely, completely different. And then when you, obviously you give people like a brisket set roll that you've smoked for 12, 14 hours, and they're like, "Well, that's completely different." Oh well, yeah, because you're doing it a completely different way. It's a completely different. So obviously, it's all about teaching people and learning, getting people to understand. Yeah. It's when you like tell people, "Oh, you do barbecue," and it's all they think in their head is burgers, sausages, and burnt chicken wings or burnt chicken breasts on the barbecue that have got no like that. You serve them a chicken breast that's completely bone dry. They're not. They're not thinking about that. I mean, we still. I mean, even here, we still get so many people. That, you know, because barbecue is a north-south thing. So, mm. like, people up in the north are still not fully understanding of what real barbecue is, right? Because they put, they put the idea in their head is kind of like, you know, it's burgers, it's hot dogs, it's, it's chicken that's destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. They're not thinking about, like, low and slow smoking barbecue. And we get the whole, like, oh, man... There's pink in the chicken. Yeah. Yeah, we get that as well. Why is the chicken pink? Yeah. And it's like, it's it's perfectly fine. Yep. It's not, there's nothing wrong with it. It is just, like, it, it, it's smoked. And that's, yeah. that just is what happens. Yeah, because it's obviously, it's a pale... Yeah, it's not it's not a red meat, is it? So obviously, if you smoke something that's got a pale texture to it, it's going to show it's that. It's going to go that more. red reddish color. Yeah, it's going to show it even more. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, you serve that to people, and then like they cut into it, and they're like, mm, "It's not cooked." And I was like, and you're like mm, "It's cooked. It's definitely cooked." I can promise you, you that not... it's definitely cooked. 
Yeah, they're just expecting it to be bone dry. And yeah. Then, it's, then, they'll, then they'll say, oh, yeah, it's cooked. Well, then you've just completely ruined that bit of chicken. <laughs> exactly. Like, then it's like, oh, you want it to be shoe leather. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I understand. Yeah. yeah. But obviously, we, I've, we're ahead. trying to do our catering menus and all this kind of thing now for, like, um, events and weddings and all that kind of thing. Yep. So we're, we're – most of our the majority of our menu is obviously the low and slow smokes meat but we're having to add on there maybe some burgers maybe some like but not like there'd be proper like chuck mince burgers like yeah. decent burgers and everything but we're still adding that little bit of what they understand as barbecuing mm-hmm. kind of thing and then we're trying to obviously persuade them oh but you'll, you'll, you'll want this, your guests would like this kind of thing. So you're trying to push, like, this is nudge good. them in that direction. I promise kind of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, for catering out there, what are, if you can, if you can, if, if, if you don't want to devour this, please don't. But, like, as far as price points, what, mm-hmm. are, what are the price points kind of looking at opposed to, maybe this is a better way to do it, instead of giving your real prices up, the price points that you would say, um, some cater- like some some comparable catering would be. Does barbecue so, tend to tend to fall higher? Um. So obviously, um, I work a full time job as well. So this, what yeah. I do catering wise, is just because I love barbecuing. Because me and my wife enjoy it. This is something just like a extra bit of cash inflow in like flowing for our um, competition side of stuff so probably we'd be not paying probably what if we have catering full-time as a job okay and taking an income from that we wouldn't we we're not charging that kind of money for it okay us personally because of Obviously, we've got, like I said, me and my wife have got both got full-time jobs, and we're just doing this on, at the weekends because we love doing it. Yeah. Kind of thing. So we're just making a little bit of extra pocket money, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. So we're probably charging maybe 10%, 20% under what you get a normal person that does catering on a full-time job. Okay. So they're probably, I don't, uh, wouldn't have a clue off the top of my head. They're probably charging, say, 80 plus people, maybe about 1,500 pounds. Okay. Like about something like that. We'd probably charge 1,000 pounds. Okay. Something like that. Sound, yeah, yeah. I mean, because obviously we're not, we're not taking, we're not going to be taking a wage out of that. We make we probably just make a few hundred pound profit off of it, yeah. and then all that profit would go straight into the barbecue competition side to then pay for the extra meat, pay for the competition that we want to do, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, be able to travel to where you're going and all that. Exactly. All that fun exactly. Stuff, yeah. But then obviously, if the catering side starts picking up more and all that kind of stuff, obviously then we'll have to obviously relook at it and reinvest and hopefully start that as a career and see see where that goes yeah exactly exactly now with the with the but like like i said with the catering and the people kind of not knowing fully what they're getting and stuff like that what would you say is your most common question that people give you 
Like when they look at your menu and then they're like, okay, explain. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I think, going back to it, I think it would be brisket. Still because, brisket, huh? Yeah, because I think like, or them trying to stand low and slow smoking brisket, people like, they don't have, obviously, they don't know what a packer-sized brisket is. They've, some people have probably never seen one. Yeah. Like I'm saying, they've only seen a rolled bit of brisket that's in like a A4 size bit of paper box on yeah. a counter. And then you try and, and you explaining to them what a brisket is. And they're just like, whoa, really? And just, they're just shocked. Now, what size briskets are you, what size briskets do you guys kind of get over there? Um, For full so packers. Uh, for a full packer from our butcher, we can probably go up to about eight kilos. Okay. That's a decent-sized brisket. Yeah. Yeah, so, what, oh yeah, our butcher can get some really decent briskets. Yeah. He, he knows what he's getting and everything, and, um, yeah, he's really good at what you can get. Nice points on them, nice flats. Yeah, exactly, yeah. like, decent marbling, like, yeah, really good stuff. Awesome. Because, yeah, he supplied, like, the last, um, our first competition last year that we did, um, he actually sent a transit van-sized car full of boxes for all the teams and all the meats. So he supplies, like, I think he supplied 30 of the teams out of 50. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, so he, he knows what he's doing, and he's been doing it for years, so... Now, what would you say was your hardest category when you first started competing? Um, hardest, probably. Oh, it probably was brisket. <laughs> <laughs> Always going back to brisket, but um, it's weird because the very first year that we did it, it, it was only there was only fourteen teams. It wasn't KCBS. It was IBQM, and we came second in brisket. Okay. Never cooking it before, just doing YouTube videos, just watching them. Probably had about two or three practice goes at a brisket. And we we came second in brisket. So we were shocked. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Very shocked. And um, I think we came, for our first competition, we came seventh out of 14 that year. Okay. Our first one. So you placed in that middle. Yeah. And then... We, then we went to our did our first Casey Best competition last year in May, and um, obviously we knew what Casey Best was all about. Is completely different point system. Yep. Well, same kind of point system as IBQM, but a lot stricter. There's so many rules, <laughs> and um, our aim of that was to not come last. That was my, me, mine and my wife's mission statement at the beginning of it, not to come last. Um, we came second from last, so we yeah, achieved you what weren't we, we weren't going to do. You weren't <laughs> we achieved last. it. Yeah. But that was an eye-opener, for sure. Because there was, I think, in total, considering we were, first of all, competing with 14 teams, we then competed against 35 teams. Yeah. Okay. So I think at that all of our positioning 
strangely, we came sixth in chicken, which was shock for us. <laughs> and then I think everything else we positioned either last or third from bottom. Ooh. Yeah. In our first comp. I so, mean, what's, what would you say are the biggest differences between KCPS and the other one? Um, I think... I don't know. I think because I don't actually I don't know the rules on the on the other association. It's it's it's, it's, pre, it's pretty much identical to KCBS. Okay. So it's it's, they, it's still scoring off the same kind of uh, the way the KCBS do it. Yep. It's exactly the same, but I don't for the IBQN. I don't think they're like they're not KCBS judge, judges as such. Okay if that makes sense. They're not trained in that kind of way, but I don't don't know. (laughs) It was just, it was exactly the same. I think the crowd was just, and the teams that we had there were just different. Yeah. They're not, they're not KCBS teams. So they weren't, they weren't strict from following the rules of them kind of things. So they still had obviously judged the same way. Okay. But, um, they weren't as experienced as KCBS teams. And I mean, it, it could be too. Sense. I mean, you just never know what table you land on. Exactly, yeah. You know, exactly it, that. Sometimes it's the luck of the draw. The luck of the table. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. It, it, it's, you know, luck of the draw, luck of the table, and that table was yeah. you know, gracious to you that day or it wasn't. And, um, yeah, I just, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't know. You just never know. Yeah. So yeah, that was obviously our first KCBS. And then we, we had another two later on in the year. And then both of them had 14 teams in it. And both times we finished seventh in each of them again. Okay. And then, but this time we were, we had done a bit more research after the first KCB, KC, first KCBS comp. We went on a proper course that was done by a, a team called Bunch of Swines. Uh, I think they're one of the only British teams to won an Invitational American Royal. Okay. So they're, they're, they're a really, really good team. I think they were like top five in Europe and top 10 in the world last year, something like that. So we went on one of their training courses to learn, obviously, competition-style cooking. Yeah. And, wow, it was an eye-opener. <laughs> From just looking on YouTube channels and YouTube watching YouTube videos for our first one to actually going on a proper course. Well, and, I mean, you, it's YouTube. Uh, there, yeah. There's a lot of good stuff on YouTube, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of garbage too, and sometimes you fall into exactly, that rabbit yeah. hole of garbage. Yeah, you really have to do your research and really have to know ex- exactly what you're looking for to get good out of it. But obviously, we, going on this course, it just helps us massively. Because the next two times we went, we did comps, we were getting top 10 calls on pretty much all of our stuff. Okay. And our last comp, we came first in chicken. Um, 
and we walked away with some money, which is good for us. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't seem to be one of our strong points. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. And yeah, we were getting calls for everything now. So we're just hoping that it follows on for this year and we're going to keep going good. Now, when you're doing ribs, are you, you're cooking spares, obviously, right? Yeah. You, are you guys trimming them down to uh, St. Louis cuts? Or does the uh, butcher do that for you? Our butcher does it for us. Oh, see, you guys are, you guys are spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, we've, we've just started getting the Prime Swift stuff. Okay. So I think back end or middle of last year, um, someone, that, someone actually managed to get imported stuff, the Prime Swift the ribs. Yeah. And um, obviously uh, our butcher doesn't trim them down because they're pretty trimmed down as they are. Yeah. But all of the other stuff that we were getting from him, he was trimming them down for us. The only thing that we had to do was take the membrane off. And maybe trim a little bit of fat off, but that was it. But otherwise, they they were pretty good to go. Yep. Season them out and put them on the smoker. Yep, exactly. Now, but yeah. What kind of flavor profiles do you guys go for? Do are people are people more of like a, a sweet heat? Are they more of a super sweet? Or are they? More heat. What what's the flavor profile that you kind of normally go for? Um, so we normally go for a sweet heat. Okay. Flavor profile. So we um, we like our we kind of like our chicken to be, um, yeah, has a nice sweet but like a lingering heat that come stays with you. Okay. So it's not like super candied, but no 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 no. No, not like that. It's got, yeah. yeah, it's got a nice shine, nice sweetness to it, but then there's that like mild undertone of heat that carries on through it. Okay. Um, our briskets, we like them, like a bit of spice on them. Okay. Quite a bit of spice, and um, our pork, um, our Boston butts, we like a bit of um, more sweet, but with like a light heat coming through it. So like our chicken. Okay. But just a little bit toned down on the heat a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So we're, yeah. So our, our flavor profiles for us personally, uh, sweet and heat. Now, to do. when you, when you kind of started doing competition, did your, did, you know, from the first one to the, to the, to the ones you're doing now, obviously your flavor profile changed a little bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has. <laughs> you learned, you were like, hey, we got to do this. Now, yes. <laughs> when I know when I talk to a lot of guys that compete around the United States, they'll change their flavor profile in their region that they're in, right? Do you feel yeah. like you're going to have to do that in if, if you guys start going out of the country? Uh, yes, definitely. So I don't think, I think from, from the other teams that we've, uh, become friends with and they're doing the that traveling out of europe like europe the european state or the european countries and stuff they're not a big fan of the heat okay so they're looking for more sweet yeah okay yeah so i think that's where we're when we start adventuring out there we might have to tweak our flavor profiles to them yeah to just add a little bit more sweetness to it 
Yeah, I mean, because you got to think that if the judge, if the judge doesn't like the heat. Yeah. He's probably going to score you differently, right? I mean, yeah, no matter exactly. what, no matter if he thinks you're great, he's, yeah, everyone's taste buds are subjective. So. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, there'll be a lot of practicing to make sure we do that. Because obviously, we don't want to go out all the way over there, pay for our travel and everything, and then. Yep end up coming last or something just because we didn't want to bother Change changing our profile. profile. Yeah. yeah. Now, how much, how many American commercial rubs are available in the UK now? Because I would imagine that, it, I know when I talked to a couple of people back in the day, um, there weren't quite as many, but they were slowly starting to kind of creep in. And I would mm-hmm. imagine that there's more available now. Yeah, there's a hell of a lot more available now. <laughs> there's, um, there's a company... A website company called Pub, uh, Barbecue Gourmet. Okay. And um, it's run by a guy, uh, guy called Richard, and he obviously he's American. Okay. So he imports a lot of the rubs that are used out there out in America. Okay. On his website, so and that his website catalog just seems to be growing and growing and growing. And he's being able to get more and more American rubs that you see. Now, does he only carry rubs or does he carry kind of other barbecue supplies too? Uh, he carries rubs, sauces, um, marinades, uh, brines, all that okay. kind of stuff he's starting to carry. Okay. Which is good. And there's some other, there's some other companies, um, a, a company called Angus and Oink. Um, they, they have a lot of the American rubs on their site as well now. Okay which is good, and the sauces and rubs and marinades as well. So it's, it's slowly getting bigger and bigger over here, the rubs and spices, Yeah, which is really good. But some of the, like the Angus and Oink, um, they make their own rubs, they make their own sauces, but and they're ridiculously good as well. They're people, we use, we use them in our competition cooking, uh, we use them in our catering cooking, and they're distributing out into America and into Europe and all that as well. So it's kind of going the opposite way as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I would, I would assume that it would, you know, why wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. So they're doing really well with it as well. I know, I know, uh, like the weird thing is like, we usually don't get too many of the outside, outside pits, right? Mm-hmm. So like, like a pro Q, yeah. you're really not going to see very many of them in the States unless somebody really brings one in. Um, yeah. And I don't know if they're going to go after the states because we already are kind of so saturated. Yeah, I think I think um, I think they tried it through Amazon, so they they've got a little bit on Amazon that you okay. can buy through. So I think back in the day they tried it through Amazon in the states, but as you said, the market is just so saturated with barbecues over there. It yeah. was just hard for them to try and get it off the ground for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's. There's so much local that yeah. it's like, well, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they're, well, I can't fault them. They're really good. If they could get out there in the States, I think they'd do quite well. Yeah, no, I feel, I, I feel like they would. I just think mm. there's so much competition here. Yeah, definitely is. That it's very difficult. Yeah, 100%. Now, since barbecue is kind of growing in, in, in the UK, growing in Europe in general, where do you see the next kind of steps for barbecue going? Hopefully, in the UK, I think because we have, there's 
like in the news on our side, there was like some, especially on Facebook, there's like some big barbecue shops shutting because some some of them just couldn't survive. I think as long as you pick where you're situated, where you get a lot of foot traffic, I think they're going to grow. So I think, but also street pop-ups is a massive thing over here now. And that's just growing and growing and growing. So if you can do your good low and slow barbecue and do it well in busy um, business cent- business places like in London, yeah, it's just going to thrive. Every, everyone seems to be loving these quick pop-up barbecue joints that like you're there one day and then you might be somewhere else in London the next day. That kind of thing is just growing and growing. Almost food trucky. Yeah, no, kind of like no, that. Not, not a full truck, yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of like, they, like people converting. I think the big trend over here at the moment is like people converting like horse boxes. Okay. Into them. So obviously you just tow it up, hitch it there, and then you just serve out of it. And then you drive on somewhere else and do the same. Okay. And then that kind of thing is growing. Now. What do they do for health regulations with those? So you have to, for normal for health regulations, you have to um, apply to like your local um, county, and you have to apply, and then they come out and assess your where your prepping and cooking environment is. Okay. So for us as a catering company, what we they had to do is they came. You have to, well, first of all, you have to do uh, like an online, uh, get an online certificate. Okay, so yeah. There's like a, bun- a bunch of questions that you've got to answer. And there's different levels. So if you want to just do serving to the customer and handling food, that's one level. If you want to be like a manager and manage people doing that, that's another level. Yeah. So there's different, there's different levels of that. Yeah. So once you've, once you've got that, then you apply for the council to come round and then they look at your environment of where you're cooking, what you're doing. Are you storing it correctly? Are you reheating it correctly? Do you have washing facilities on site? Are you able to take hot water? Uh, All that kind of stuff. And they're not trying to trick you and ask silly questions. They're just trying to make sure you know what you're doing. That makes one thing here. They, they try to trick you. No. So they'll ask you questions like, or how do you make sure you keep the food warm? As long as you say, well, you just use a thermopen or equivalent to check the temperature every now and again and make sure it's above the food standard level, that's fine. Okay. So then they're, they're just like asking you, oh, do you know what you're doing? And as long as you can say, yeah, and all the, answer all their questions that they ask you, that's kind of, and then they rate you on how cleanliness you are. So it's a, it's a rating between one and five. Obviously, five being the top, and you know, you've got good hygiene, you've got all that kind of good level of understanding. You're not gonna kill anyone by poison or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they. It's a little more difficult here. I feel like you guys got got it a little easier. <laughs> Because we we all have to have commercial kitchens, so like oh, really? my cat yeah my catering I, I have a commercial kitchen that I cook out of. Uh, yeah. You have to make sure you know it, it's certified by the state, it's certified by the county that it's in. Uh, 
and all that. So it has to be it has to be a commercial kitchen, and and all that kind of stuff. If you want to do pop ups, you have to have all that stuff. Uh, you have to have all that stuff before you can do uh, okay, anything. Okay, yeah. Okay, so now uh, on ours, if you apply for your food hygiene rating, as long as you applied for it, you can go out and start catering. Okay. We could have done. And then they book in an appointment for someone to come around and assess you and then to look at your business that way. So do they do they let you cook out of the house? So yeah, so I, obviously I cook for our catering, I cook all of us all of our um meats at my house in our smokers. And okay. then we've obviously we've got like um big thermo boxes <coughs> and we put them in there. Put them in there, wrap them up, keep them warm, take them to our event, and then we've got like um, bamberries. We just put them in there; that will keep them warm. And then, obviously, customers are getting hot food still. And as long as we, as long as we check in it every um, every fifteen twenty minutes to make sure it's above the proper food hygiene level, yeah, then that's all good. Yeah, that's that's awesome. But, yeah, so it's not like there's the low and slow things, but obviously if we're going to events and they want, obviously nothing beats obviously smelling freshly cooked food because that's obviously what's going to attract all your guests and all your clientele. Yeah. So obviously we'll be taking like the pro cues and the webbers and all that that we've got and cooking like chicken wings on there, cooking your smash burgers and all that kind of stuff yeah. for them. So obviously people are still smelling all the good food that you're cooking yeah it's just the bigger cuts of meat that you can't obviously you can't cook in that two hour window that you're there for oh come on you can't make a brisket in two hours exactly so obviously we'll take that there serve it all up to them everyone's happy wow you guys have a way way easier health department <laughs> than we do um which is awesome don't get me wrong i i i envy you for it i wish i wish i had the i wish i could do that <laughs> but unfortunately, here we can't. Um, yeah. Now, when you when you were kind of starting to look look for all your stuff for catering, did you did you run into any issues like trying to find every tool that you needed, or was everything pretty much readily available? It was pretty much readily readily available. Like obviously, a lot of what we needed for catering, most caterers are using there. What we yeah. use at, yeah, so what what we use for our competition stuff. So we've got all the tables, we've got all the yeah. boxes, got all the knives, got everything like that. It was just all the like the little things that we needed to make it catering esque. So, so obviously it's all the presentation yeah. boxes that you serve it all in. It's obviously all the things that you're keeping it warm in, like the bambarees, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. we've got we've got big um catering suppliers online that you can just search in i did my research i found the cheapest one but for the same price as the good one and <laughs> read the reviews and everything and they work fine yeah i mean that sounds like you got pretty good pretty good figured out on catering and what you guys are doing now Between competitions, between catering and all that kind of fun stuff, do you in do you have a favorite thing that you like to cook? I like to cook. Yeah, I think um, I think my favorite thing is always wings. Okay. 
but the annoying thing at the moment, because my because my wife is pregnant, she's gone off chicken, <laughs> which is one of them things that God knows why she's gone off of it. She just we try I tried cooking it for her the other day, and then she's just kind of taken one bite and was like, nope, can't eat anymore. She's done. Yeah, she's done with chicken. Yeah. So it happens. Yeah. It it really does. Yeah, so it's gonna be fun when I cook about God knows how many chicken thighs for chicken practice before comps and be asking her to taste it, she'd be like, No, go away. So I'll be like, Oh great. <laughs> I think I might be sick of chicken as well after that. Yeah. But um, you know but but when you're pregnant too, you have that you have that thing where like you you start to only want certain things. <laughs> Yeah, so I can't I can't complain. She's um she's getting to try all their lucky things. I think her favourite thing at the moment is Lucky Charms. Perfect. Which but is exactly something you don't need to smoke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But trying to find a box of Lucky Charms over here in the UK is a tough deal. Yeah, I mean, I think cereal in general for you guys is a little bit <laughs> tough of a deal. Um, I've had yeah. a couple friends from the UK, and you know they were like. Whenever they come here, they're like, "Man, we can't get any of this stuff." Yeah, so I think well, I think she had to resort and buying it off of Amazon. Oh, so Amazon will ship to you guys, okay? Uh, well, it was a UK. It was a UK Amazon, so obviously they must have warehoused it. God knows Somewhere. where. Yeah, exactly. Oh but, man, um, that's insane. Going back to your question, I think yeah, chicken wings are my favorite to cook for chicken. me personally. Do you, now, do you smoke them, or do you just cook them, like, kind of faster? Um, so I cook them faster. Because, see, my favorite thing is I, I take them, and uh, I will smoke a chicken wing, and then I will cool it completely, and then I will deep fry it. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I have done that. That is my favorite way to eat a wing. Yeah, I did that. And then, I'm, yeah, I made a, yeah, and then I, made a, I made a white Alabama sauce with it. Ooh, that was good. Yeah, that'll that'll amp it. <laughs> but yeah, definitely amp it up. Yeah, that was nice. But um, yeah, I like cooking my wing quite hot and quite quickly. Yeah, see, I, I go, I go low and slow on my wings. <laughs> I like, I, I give them that smoke. Yeah, and then I cool them down, and then I just I air, and then I I either air fry them or deep fry them, and yeah. They're they're fantastic. Yeah, I heard I listened to one of your podcasts a while back and it was talk about air frying them. Yeah, dude, they're it's awesome. We do we do it commercially for for yeah. catering and because uh, we do it at pop ups and it, it is amazing. People just die; they go crazy for it. Ah, that's a good they point. Really do. So what do you like? So you air fry it, you cook it before, take it, and then Correct. air fry it there. Correct. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's a good way. So it's six minutes in the air fryer, done. Here we go. Next batch. Oh, wow. That's definitely look at that then. Which, which is, I think we've got, we've got wings on our menu. Yeah, which is slower than like deep frying it, but it's okay. It turns out nice, <laughs> which yeah. is good. So, man, I want to say oh. thank you for coming on the podcast, hanging out with us, chatting barbecue. Um, that's okay. I, I like to end my podcast this way. If you could go back to the beginning of your barbecue career, knowing what mm -hmm. you know now and give yourself three learning tips to help shorten yep. your learning curve, what would those three tips be? 
I think. Um, tip one would be always carry a notebook and pen around with you. Because <laughs> good one. There's a lot of there's a lot of things you can learn. There's a lot of recipes out there. There's a lot of things that just kind of pop into your head, and it's always good to just jot them down, write them down, even if it's just garbage at the time. You yeah. might look back on it and be like, oh, well, it's not so garbage now. That would be a really good idea. Um, I think the second thing was be to um, listen to people that have done it before. Listen to people that have, if it's on competition circuit stuff, listen to them. Listen to some of these seasoned pros, I think. And I think the third thing for me would be make sure you do the research, I think. If you get if you want to get into like competition barbecuing, do the research, find out what's needed, find out all the equipment that you want, kind of thing, and be shocked because it costs a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're ready to be shocked because you know it, it's not cheap. Yeah, I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked personally, but yeah, I think they're my top three things for me personally. If I had to do it all again, start well, from the beginning, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Once again, if you could tell everyone where they can follow your barbecue journey online, that would be fantastic. Yeah, sure. So um, if you want to follow me, it's um, bardown underscore barbecue, and that's on Instagram. And we've got a catering website, um, bardownbarbecue.co.uk, and we're on Facebook as well under Bardown Barbecue. Um, but yeah, thanks, Mikey, for having us on. Yeah, thank you. And we will it's, chat uh, with been you a pleasure. soon. We will chat with you soon, brother. Sure. And have a good rest of your evening out there.